All right. Well, I am so excited. I'm here with Jennifer De Silva today. She is a seasoned integrated marketer with nearly 20 years of experience working on Fortune 500 brands. She's a master connector, which we'll learn more about. She's championed a division recently of Berlin Cameron called LL She, which empowers female founders through creativity and connection and has spoken at many industry events on female leadership and entrepreneurship. She started Connect for Women and so much more, which we're going to get into today. This is Boss Ladies. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. We are so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So can you start by just telling us a little bit you know, about yourself and, and sort of your career journey that led you to your current role as president of Berlin Cameron? Sure. I actually came from the West Coast to Boston College and really loved the marketing world, but had no idea I wanted to do advertising at the time and got placed in an amazing internship at this um, company called The Intuition Group, which was all about marketing to women. And it was a part of J. Walter Thompson and WPP. So it was kind of my first foray in the world that I am now and actually you know, am in now with a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. And it was great. I loved it. We worked on Clairol. We were thinking about kind of the natural products and infusing them into the hair dye. And I got to get in front of clients and I got to think about women all the time. It was huge, a huge win. And I decided that I wanted to go back. They hired me out of school. And the day before my internship called, they said, my my job started. They said, hey, you know, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but actually the intuition group has been disbanded. And oh, no. I know I was so disappointed for a heartbeat. And then they said, but don't worry, we found a place for you at J. Walter Thompson. And I was going to be working on Trident and Halls. It was Warner Lambert at the time. And really disappointing in terms of that I wouldn't be getting to think about women all the time like I was at the intuition group, but I had a great foundation in um, CPG, which is a really great way to start in advertising. And I I loved it there. It had the best kind of professional development program. Um, We were, you know, all a unit and starting together. So it was, it was a great way to start. Yeah. So that's how I began my career is thinking about women. And that's how, that's where I love my career to go. And and since then, I actually followed a boss of mine from JWT to British Airways and working at an agency called MNC Saatchi, which was my first time working at a boutique agency. And I absolutely loved it. We got to travel. Um, we got to think about what it meant to fly across the Atlantic to London. And at the time, we did an FE award-winning campaign about waking up in Trafalgar Square and going to bed in Times Square. And it was one of the best campaigns that I've ever worked on. And then from there, 9-11 happened. And so there were lots of cuts, if you can imagine, working on an airline. And um, I actually was one of the lucky ones and got to stay. But it was less interesting because we weren't doing the bigger campaigns. We were more doing, you know, things like $99 to get to London and looking at terms and conditions. And so I decided that I wanted to do something else. And Berlin Cameron actually had started to reach out to me because they had won a ton of business. And one of the things that they won was the Coca-Cola account. And that was, you know, obviously a really exciting account to go to work on. So I went. That's huge. Yeah, I decided to go there. And And also, I just have to say, some of the Coca-Cola ads, I feel like, have been just some of the best 
ever. So that's very cool. No, it was cool. We were doing the real campaign, which is all about authenticity. And back in, in that day, so it was 2003, you know, that was a relatively new concept about being real as a teen and really exciting work. And on my first day, actually, they said, you know, you're also going to be working on Nest Tea. And I thought, amazing. I'm super excited. And you're going to go to Atlanta tomorrow. And I'm like, great. I'm really happy to do that. You're going to meet the client. So I went off to Atlanta, one day trip, supposedly. And I get to Atlanta and they were like, so this is a five day session. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll be here all week. And I was like, I didn't bring any underwear. I have nothing. <laughs> and so, and that's really been how I started my career at Berlin Cameron, but really how it is in a lot of ways. And it's fly by the seat of your pants. It changes every day, but that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. That's amazing. And and can you tell me sort of what that's been like? Obviously the past year sort of flipped everything upside down for so many people. I mean, how has that shifted with less travel and and how have you had to sort of shift your strategy at Berlin Cameron? Yeah, we uh, went fully remote on March 7th, I believe it was. And you know, we were so actually so productive and worked really well. And I have to say that working remotely isn't something that I ever actually believed in before this. You know, when people would say to me, oh, I need to work remote, I honestly, I admit that I would roll my eyes in the back of my head and think, oh, they're going to get nothing done. And I would always come to the office because it's how I thought that if I'm there, that people will see me there and they will get their work done. But I was so wrong. People deserve the trust and people do deserve the trust. And we discovered that we're so productive that we just we made a very early call to stay remote. And it's one of the things, um, you know, within the WPP family, there's not a lot of companies that have done that. And I think deciding very early has been a good preparation because we were able to look at tools, able to look at different things that would make us a better company culture overall. And one of those tools is called 15.5. It's a weekly check-in with employees. And that's been a great way to like keep up on the pulse with, you know, everyone's mental energy at this time, which is an an incredibly hard time. We have a mentorship program. We have something called Care Trees in which you have two different branches and you can just call them and talk to them about your favorite Netflix show or (laughs) what's going on in your life or the work you're doing. And, you know, really trying to establish programs that keep us connected to each other, even though we're all over the place. It's amazing that you have been able to sort of shift your strategy. And I love that you're one of the first companies to go fully remote because I definitely shared that same concern. Even when I was like first started, you know, being remote, like, I don't know, I'm someone who sees everyone working around me and gets really inspired to continue working. And so I remember the first few weeks was sort of like, what am I going to do? Am I ever going to get anything done? And now I feel, you know, more productive than ever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how we've all sort of shifted at how we work. And, and I think it's great that you, you all are supporting that um, longer term. Yeah, it's like a trust economy. And, and now people deserve that trust. They've worked so hard in this past year with so many other factors and things going on in their lives. And, you know, we've actually done really well as a company. So, you know, people deserve to, to have that benefit going forward. And, and we actually have the best of both worlds. And being a part of WPP, we can access office space at the various offices across the country. So we're very lucky to have both if we need it. Um, And we'll see as the world evolves. But, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, really think about uh, being at the forefront of this and actually like trying to develop and retain this culture going forward. 
Absolutely. And I want to sort of jump back into your into your story uh, about how you were talking about how your first job was what really got you passionate and inspired about working with women, supporting women, advocating for women. Was there any stage before that that you knew that that was sort of where you wanted to head in terms of your career path and in terms of the like almost extracurriculars you get involved in? Or was it really that aha moment in that first job? Actually not. No, it was really that aha moment in that first job. I, I had a really great example of working mom. And, you know, I never really even understood the trials and tribulations of, you know, the working woman until I got there myself. My mom was the kind that never complained, you know, always made it seem easy. Um, still to this day, I'm like, how does she do everything and still write a thank you note? Like, I, ha- I have no time to write a thank you note. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still in trouble for it. Um, but you know, so those examples, like I, I honestly didn't understand until I got into the um, working world. And I think working at Berlin Cameron was another way of me seeing it. We were actually in the press of being a boys club and it was a very dominant boys culture. Most of the employees were men. And I talked to some of the women there about they felt that they weren't getting some opportunities and I think that, you know, as I I really liked some aspects of the culture and, and the fact that it wasn't a box around your position, you know, you didn't have to just go work on Coca-Cola. You could work on that, work on other things. You also had the chance to do new business. You could do the company Christmas party. There were so many other aspects of the job there. So it's one of the reasons which I stayed. And then the thought that I could potentially change things one day in really thinking about ways in which to, you know, bring more women to the company, lead the company as a woman, and then support female-founded businesses as well. Can you tell us a little bit about LLC, which is sort of a perfect depiction of, of, of your influence on the company? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how things like you don't plan. It kind of serendipitously happens in your life. And actually, my um, a very close friend of mine asked me for a referral on some designers because she was doing a startup and, and could I recommend some people. And so I started to look into my database and who could I connect her to? And I thought, well, we, why aren't we doing this work ourselves? Like, isn't there a way that we can think about, you know, helping these smaller based companies and building our credentials um, at the same time? And so we worked with her to do all the branding of her company. And then she referred us to the next person and that person referred us to the next person. And all of a sudden it was like this world that we were very deeply entrenched in. And this is about five years ago. And we absolutely loved it. I mean, it was something that we were doing more on the side, but we all got so passionately involved in the companies and not just from like a branding or content or communications perspective, but everything like who could we connect them to? How could we help them succeed? And that became a thing for us. And now, you know, we've been able to use some of those case studies to sell to big brands and and start to work with things like Procter & Gamble and their secret pay equity work, um, number seven beauty brand with Walgreens and, you know, and many other clients that have seen the work that we've done for these amazing female founders and how we've helped them to change the game. And we've been able to build a business around it. And it sounds like, you know, this has been an amazing opportunity to apply your connecting skills. Um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about being a master connector, this term that that I believe you came up with, right? 
No, actually, a great okay. woman and, and a fellow master connector. In fact, my computer is on one of her books right now. It's called Lost Art of Connecting. Um, her name is Susan McPherson, and yeah. she's an amazing master connector. But I didn't meet her until later in my connecting days. And it's actually something that I didn't realize I was doing all the time, but it's definitely the way in which my brain works. When I first meet a person, it's like, okay, this woman is entering into my world. How can I help them? And how can I connect them to help them even further? It's the first thing I think about. And like neurons are firing and I'm thinking about this web in which, you know, I that I've created and, and helping them is like super exciting to me. And where that connection might go feels like, it could potentially be magic, you know, and it's maybe like matchmaking, right? That, you know, you think to yourself when you've sent someone out on a maybe potential blind date, like where could this end up? And that's the same thing I think about in terms of women is like, where could this end up? Could it end up with a friendship? Because that's incredibly important. Could it end up in a partnership, a business relationship? And so I was doing this all the time, but not really realizing it. And, and I think also I'm an, an only child. And so for me, the, the value of my connections is incredibly important to me because I didn't have them immediately baked into my family. I had my parents and we were an incredible unit of three and I love them dearly, but I didn't have that sister or brother support system that was already there. And, you know, I think I've always looked to build that web around me to make sure that I had those people that were really close that understood me from, you know, way back when and, and all of that. Um, and so one day I was on the elliptical machine, which is where I think I come up with some of my best ideas. And <laughs> I was, uh, I was working out and I was thinking it's, um, the start of women's history month and this is 2019. What could I do to actually give back this month? And what am I doing already? And I thought, well, what if I connected four women a day and made that something? And every week, weekday I did that. And so I tweeted it from the elliptical. I'm like, well, this is a thing. I've told everyone that I'm doing it. And I did it. And it was amazing, actually. I found that I met more people. I expanded other people's networks. And it really was impactful, the feeling that came out of it. And so that next May, I invited other women to join me. And I think I had about 30 women that month. And then by the end of the year, I did another program where we had... I think about 100 women join us. And then this year, we're doing it a little differently where we're doing connect what I call connections challenges. And we did one in um, the fall of 2020 to help Gen Z girls and their, help them on their career paths. And we had 150 conversations with young girls. And um, now we're doing one to connect women who have lost their jobs in the she session. And we have 120 women and about 100 mentors. And I'm still looking to match some women, but it's been an incredible endeavor. And something that I wouldn't have even kind of expected came out of it, which I find really interesting is we've also had these power hours for the women. So everything from interview skills to how to do your LinkedIn profile, to how to think about your finances, to how to tell your story. And through those sessions, these women have connected with each other on the very on the common bond of what they're going through. And they talk to each other all the time. They support each other. And it's not something I thought about going in when I developed the program, but something that's been really amazing for them. And, you know, I really, it's really special to know that, you know, they, they have each other and then they have this support tool to help them move forward. 
Absolutely. And what a powerful group it sounds like you've started. And you, you you mentioned this She Session. Can you tell everyone a little bit more about sort of what that is and, and really the impact um, of the last year? We're in the first recession that's affecting women more than men. And women have been leaving their jobs at four times the rate of men. You know, with the job losses are, I think, still having way more women um, out of work than men. We're, we're looking to see 30 years of gains that we've made as women be erased. And the pay gap could increase by 5%. That literally breaks my heart. I know. It's, it's as you awful. say that. And one of the reasons is caretaking, right? Women are looked to be the caretakers first. And I think that this has highlighted that in many different ways. So maybe that's a good thing that's going to come out of that, that, that there will be changes from a policy level made with the Marshall Plan for Moms and maybe universal child care and maybe actually, you know, women getting paid to be caretakers. So I think that there's many strides that we're making and conversations in the household that weren't happening about all the, the unpaid labor of women. You know, the fact that like when you look at the fridge, like most of those things have been put in there either by you or that you've instructed, you know, your partner to put there in the fridge. Right. Um, and all of those things that you're just taking on yourself. So how do you figure out the balance of the household? And you have those conversations differently than you were before. And why is women's time treated differently than men's? You know, men's time is treated very finite. Oh, they need time to rest versus women. You know, women's time is looked at like, oh, they have infinite time for other people. And, you know, women's time should be looked at just the same, if not more special than men's. So I think there's a lot of good that's coming out of this awareness. You know, and I think a lot of people are stepping up to really help women get back to work and figure out what they need in terms of how to do that. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, what can I do? What can everyone who's listening do, whether they're male, female? How can we get involved to sort of prevent, you know, the next, the 30 years being undone of every, all the progress we've been able to make so far? Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, helping to make to make sure that the women that you're working with are supported in the workplaces that you're advocating for your workplaces, even at a, a younger age, to have the right policies in place to support women instead of like be in the way. Right. And I think that that's really important. And I think more flexible work schedules are going to make a huge difference. So helping to advocate for those things and then connecting women. Right. Like back to what we talked about with Connect for Women, you know, how can we connect women to the right opportunities for them in order to, you know, keep them in jobs that they're passionate about, you know, find them the right homes. And, you know, I think in any way that you can do that, and I think you already are doing that through your podcast and elevating women's stories is an incredibly important thing. So, you know, I want to come back to this term master connector as I feel like this is sort of the answer, like you're saying, is to just continue to to help make these connections and to, you know, connect internally, whether that's helping elevate women at the company you're at or whether that's, you know, finding new women to join your company. Can you give us like a mini boot camp or like quick top three tricks and tips to be a master connector or to, you know, start working on some of those skills to get better at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's when you meet someone new, it's about thinking about how you could 
connect them within the network that you already have. So what are their interests? Who are the other people in your network that have those similar interests? What do they love to do? What's their purpose? Like, where are they striving to get with their career? Do you know someone that's already there in that career that you could potentially connect them to, right? And I think it's about helping women, and you are doing this, to know their story. Did you know that today is National Tell-A-Story Day? I did not know that. It is. It's 427. And it's very true. Like women don't like ever think about their story to begin with. And I think especially at a junior level in our careers, no one says like you should be thinking about your story and how you bring that into work and how important that actually is. It wasn't until I think I was 20 years into my career and someone said maybe 15 um, and someone said to me, you know, you you really need to craft your own story. It's not just about the support and amplification that you get for others. It's actually about your own point of view now. And I was like, oh shit, like I don't, my own point of view, <laughs> like I have to have one, like I can't just yeah. you know, amplify or everyone around me. And I think if somebody had told me that that was like something that I needed to do at an earlier age that I would have spent a lot more time like thinking about that and the different steps and progressions in my career and how that played in. And it plays in, in so many ways. It plays in, in sales. You know, if you're able to connect to people through your story, it plays in, in the way in which people want to connect with you. Right. And it, and it really is so important. So knowing and owning your story and being able to tell it is hugely important. And so you know, I think in any way that you can advocate for that and help people to learn about that and, and start to talk about it, you know, we really need to help women do that. Yeah, I think it can be scary sometimes, especially in the earlier stages of your career, because it's kind of like, well, wait, I haven't done all these things yet. So do I really have that story to tell? But I like that you're saying at any stage you have this story and you just need to work on figuring out what it is and, you know, where you want to where you want to take it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think... I think knowing earlier that like that's an important aspect of, of you and actually thinking about where you want to go as part of that, it really helps, you know, all those different little factors that start to lead up in those different little moments. It makes it easier to connect to them, you know, with being an only child, my drive for connection to, you know, working in an agency that was devoted to women to then changing an agency to make it devoted to women, right? Like, and connecting all those dots and to me to be able to tell the story outwardly um, and share that because it's important for others to hear. Definitely. And, and, you know, in addition to working on, you know, telling your story and getting better at sort of seeing that, that narrative, are there any other sort of skills that you feel have helped you become successful in your career that you could share or give some advice on how others can practice those? Yeah, I think it's about your presence, which goes back to the story, right? And, you know, really kind of having that presence in a room. I think it's about owning a certain amount of information. So one of the things that someone told me to do is like, if you're an expert in something, you will always be invited to the meeting that, you know, something that someone that the rest of the meeting doesn't have. So at first in my career, it was like the competitive knowledge of the category, right? I knew everything about what every other airline was doing because that's why they needed to bring me to the meeting is because if they didn't have those answers, they could be made look bad, right? So really like getting deep into those into those sources. And I think too, mentorship is really, really important and finding those people that 
you connect to, right? And not having, not forcing a mentorship, but finding people throughout your career that you feel that you connect to and that you want to maintain and thinking about those as two-way relationships. You know, giving back to your mentor just as much as they give you is hugely important. Also keeping them updated too in your career as you progress, right? And those people are going to be on your cheering squad throughout it. And you want to make sure that you're maintaining those relationships. So I think those those things are, are really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's easy sometimes to only network and reach out. I think this, I've talked to someone at least, I, I think, you know, on the podcast about this, but it's easy to reach out when you need something. And I like what you're saying about just staying in touch each step. So it doesn't really feel like you're only contacting people with an ask, but also, you know, sharing what you've been able to accomplish, you know, likely with the help of their mentorship. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you definitely want to connect with people before you need something, because once you need something, it's gonna, it's so much harder to make the connections. You're not your natural self. You know, you're asking of people. And when you've already built a foundation of connections that you've, you know, helped or, you know, been connected to for a long time, it's going to be that much easier to, you know, if something happens to you to get to get what you need. I mean, I try everyone who reaches out to me on LinkedIn, you know, salespeople side. <laughs> So everyone who was like, I would love to chat with you about your career or whatever, I always talk to them, you know, and I always try to have that initial conversation. And and sometimes I have to admit, I feel like, oh, like I like I'm so tired today. I don't feel like having this conversation. And then I have it and I feel so energized by it. And, you know, just being able to learn something about someone and, you know, really understand and how I can help them. It's, it's really been a rewarding aspect of the Connect for Women program and, you know, all of the work that I've done to date. How can people get involved in Connect for Women, whether they're looking to, you know, get mentorship or be a mentor? What's the best way? I have a website. It's connect and then for the number and women.com. And right now we're finishing up this uh, She Session program. And I think we'll have something else in the fall looking to what's the next iteration of this. But um, you can apply to be a mentor because I actually have 20 women who are left unconnected or we're not actually taking mentees right now because we've had so much demand with the mentees, but there's also a young connectors program and that's on the website as well, where you can apply into, and they have a Slack channel and they have events as well. And it's run by an awesome woman named Emma Kampfer. And she, um, has, she just brought it to me over LinkedIn. Actually, she reached out and said like, Hey, I'd love to bring this program to Gen Z and make it available to them. Would you be open to that? And I was like, yeah, cool. You're in. So she started that and there's a, you can join that if you're interested in connecting to um, Gen Z women, uh, other Gen Z women. That's great. I'll link the website um, when I post this episode as well. So anyone listening can, you know, um, get involved if interested, which I'm sure many will be. I want to jump topics a little bit because in 2020, you were named Working Mother of the Year by She Runs It. Can you tell us a little bit about how you manage work and, you know, being a mom and have that work-life balance, especially in, you know, this new working from home world? Yeah. Um, I Like, it's not easy, definitely. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, it definitely has its challenges. We actually moved across country in the pandemic um, to change our family life a bit. We were in New York City in the height of the pandemic and... I don't think we realized how hard it was until we left and my boys are getting bigger and smellier and louder every day. <laughs> I love them very much, but they're really 
there they take up a lot in all of those senses <laughs> and so we came we moved to california and it's been a, a a really great shift for us in terms of their lifestyle and sports and you know connecting them to that um, but in terms of balance, you know, I don't do it well enough, to be honest. And it's something that I think about often because I know that what I do badly is modeled for others and that they think that that's how they have to be. And I'm very specific to everyone about their boundaries. And, you know, it's okay to have boundaries. And I'm very accepting of those boundaries for other people. And I haven't been as much so for myself. And I think it's something that I definitely need to work on getting better at. You know, I have a great husband who does a lot of the lifting in the house, and I'm very lucky to have that support system and then our help, right? Like we have had amazing nannies who are a part of our family that enable, you know, me to work as much as I need to. But, you know, it's about being there at every sports game. And my parents were very much there for me at all my games and, you know, present and doing those late night catches to help them train. And, and that's where I can be there. And so I think, you know, in terms of balance, I definitely need to get better, but there's at least being home with them. I have, you know, those abilities to kind of run out of the room, check in on what they're doing and, you know, be a part of their day-to-day life, which I probably wasn't so before. Well, I think it's honestly really inspiring to see someone who's in such a, a important leadership role, you know, prioritizing, still working, still continuing on with her career, helping other women with their careers and also still, you know, being a mom and enjoying those um, moments with your kids, like you said, at sporting events. So thank you for sharing that with us. No, no, thank you. And it's always, you know, we're always our hardest critics and I'm definitely my hardest critic on all of the stuff I do. And, you know, so sometimes we have to step back and say to ourselves, like, you know, what would my best friend say about this? Would she say that I'm doing a great job? That's how I should think about it versus all of the thoughts and things that go through our heads on a day-to-day basis. Because I think as women, sometimes we hold ourselves up to these impossible standards. And, you know, I know I do that for myself. So how can we release those just a little bit every day? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we have to acknowledge I'm not a mom yet, but being a mom, it sounds like it has so many different challenges challenges, and is such a full-time job in and of itself. So, you know, even just figuring out and, you know, working on finding the right way to balance that, I think is, it's no easy feat for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't. And the challenges are ones that you would never expect and that no one ever <laughs> talked to you about. Like these crazy <laughs> things that you're like, wow, I can't believe this is my particular challenge. But um, no, yeah. it is a great learning. And honestly, being a mom has made me, you know, so much more vulnerable and authentic. And, you know, I, I'm maybe a master connector, but I definitely had a lot of trouble with like armor before having kids. And like once I had kids and it was so impossible to do things perfectly that like I finally let go of a lot of that. And I was so much, it was so much easier for me to connect with other moms because of that. It was so much easier for me to connect at work because of it. So it's really taught me so much. And, you know, even being vulnerable with the kids sometimes, like it's, you know, a great it's great because they can see that we're not perfect. And hopefully that even though they're still so hard on themselves, you know, it's like, I don't want them to have those expectations that I have on myself. 
Yeah, I think also, especially with social media and sort of everyone showing the highlight reel of their lives of like, let me show you these perfect pictures as opposed to, you know, what you're talking about, that real vulnerability of like, no, we all deal with challenges and sometimes we mess up and we're not perfect and it's okay to acknowledge that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell them that all the time. I don't know if they listen, but (laughs) I tell them. Yeah. Um, Well, my last question for you is my favorite question. I ask this on every episode. You know, what do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Honestly, I think it's been this year and all the work around the She Session and not only the work in my personal life with the Connect for Women program, but the work that I did with the brand number seven and the She Session campaign that we had with them. We did the nation's largest job summit and actually with the female quotient and Hello Sunshine, two amazing media partners and then Fortune as well, and really helped women to take back their jobs. And it you know, my my uh, son was asking me the other day, what would you rather do, create Super Bowl commercials or do something like this? And I said, any day, hands down, I would rather make a difference and, you know, change women's lives. And I think that being able to do that in my day-to-day job has, you know, just driven this new level of excitement and passion for the work. And so the more kinds of clients that we can have in that direction and the more work that I can do in that way, it really... It really fuels me and excites me. And, and, you know, I think personally, like anyone would want me on that team because I get so passionately involved in, in it and, you know, helping women to change their lives. I could not love that more. Thank you so much for for being on the show. It, it's such an honor to have this conversation with you and, you know, hear about all the work you've done and, you know, such a you're such a boss lady and it's just it's just been so great chatting with you. So thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Boss Ladies. Check back next week for a new episode. Visit us at www.bossladiespodcast.com for more information about the show or follow us at Boss Ladies Podcast on Instagram. Rate, like, and follow the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Mm-hmm.